at 1 Peter chapter 1. Pick up where we left off last Sunday morning if you were here. 1 Peter chapter 1. Go ahead and get there. And really what this book is about, what this series is about, is as Christians we are called to not only live out our lives, but to serve God. I mean, you ask yourself if you, if you believe this is true. In a culture that is largely opposed to the, the, the value system, let's say, of, of who God is and what the church is all about, right? And, and I think it's all the more as, as we go forward, uh, even in our own day, even what's changed a lot since I was a kid, I would say. Maybe many of you would say that. And um, Peter is writing to this community and even uses the word, I mentioned it last week, we'll touch on it this morning. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, to the exiles scattered abroad. Now, it's a very um, pregnant word. It, these people weren't actually exiles that he was writing to. As far as we know, they hadn't moved from one community to another. But he's using it because of what it evokes. It evokes sort of a, this idea that you are although you might be living in the country that you were born in, in the community that you were born in, you actually don't feel like it's native to who you are anymore, right? You almost feel like a foreigner in your own country. And that was true of these early communities. And I think in many ways it's true of ours. When I was... Um in my last ministry position before I came here, I was a missions pastor. And I, have, I remember once, this only happened to me once, hopefully it will never happen to me again, but I, I got on an airplane, I flew all the way to um, India and got off the plane and discovered that I, my, my visa, you need a visa to get into the country of India, was um, out of date, right? If you've ever had that, I mean, flying all the way to India, and because my visa was out of date, I was not um, even allowed to leave the airport. I had enough time to go to the bathroom and, you know, uh, make a phone call or two, and I had to get back on the airplane and fly all the way back, right? But I'll tell you, it was a very strange experience, you know, to actually feel, um, you know, with these, you know, uh, you know, uh, People that you know these the the the, uh, the the airport people and some and some some um, you know uh, security people feel very unwelcome. You know, I was singled out as someone who was not going to be allowed to leave the airport and enter this country. It was a very strange feeling. I'd never had that kind of feeling. And you know, we used to think an American passport would get you anywhere, but it was a it was a very strange feeling. But in a way, that's really what Peter is saying to the people in this community. And I think in many ways is how many of us feel increasingly in our own communities. That the more we decide that Jesus is our Savior, that the, 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 the values of the Scripture are our values, we're trying to live out the message, be His messengers in the world, it almost feels increasing like we live in a world that does not accept who we are, that does not accept these values, and it's increasingly difficult. It's like being an exile. But to believe in Jesus, as many of you would, I think, agree, in a sense, this is not just Peter's message, you were made, I was made, uh, to live in another world, right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. God has created us to live in another world, right? This, is, this life is not, you know, the end of the story. But our purpose and our calling 
uh, is in this world. Whether you have a long life to live ahead of you, whether you have less years ahead of you, yes, we're made for another world, but our purpose and our calling is in this one. And this leads us to where we are in a message I've titled, A Holy Life. A Holy Life. Verse 13 to 21, 1 Peter chapter 1, follow along as I read. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, Live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for you. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and your hope are in God. Now, when you, know, when you hear this term, I think uh, this would be true for people inside the church and outside the church. You know, be holy for I am holy. This idea of holiness has a myriad of responses from people, you know, Christian people and non-Christian people. And most of them I would say to you, right? Here I am saying to you, our unique calling, the way in which we are to make ourselves in the world has to do with being holy. Be holy as I am holy. But I would say for many of us, you know, our ideas of what the word holy means, what a holy life means is, is, um, not only, is either mostly wrong or largely incomplete, right? What does it mean to be holy? fundamentally to be holy is not about what you do, right? In other words, you see, well, what does it mean to be holy? It means here's the list of the things I need to do. Here's a series of behaviors that I should do. I should do this. I should do this. I should do this. I should do this. And here's a series of things that I shouldn't do. And this is what it means to be holy. But I would say to you that fundamentally, what we're, holiness is not about what you do, it's about who you belong to. It's, it's, it's a relational concept. That's what holiness is, right? It's all about being, it's, it's, it's a relational concept. And what it is, is God saying, listen, I have called you out of one way of life into another way of life and out of an empty way of life into a life of purpose, into a life of meaning. And I am calling you out to, to do something special. The word holy means to be set apart, to be dedicated for a special purpose. That's what it means. In that sense, right, my car is holy to me. My house is holy to me. My, uh, uh, my, uh, my clothes are holy to me in the sense that they've been specially dedicated for me, for my use. That's what the scripture is talking about. The core of the Bible's vision of holiness is relational. It's about living in a reverential relationship with God, right? Verse 17, live out your time as foreigners, as exiles, in reverent fear, enjoying the benefits of that relationship as a community separated for his worship. 
That's what he's talking about. Just one verse, Leviticus 20. All of these verses, be ye holy as I am holy, or I should say that, that, that quote, it's, it's mentioned uh, many, many times in the book of Leviticus. It's where it comes from, the holiness um, code book. But here's just one, Leviticus 20, 26. It says this. You are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy, and I have set you apart from the nations to be my own. That's what it means. The word holy, actually, the Hebrew word kadosh, actually means, in a sense, to be cut out. That's what it means. To be cut out, to be set aside for a special purpose. Just, that's what God, that's what holiness means. I have called you, I have set you aside for a special purpose. You know, when I was a kid, this is, you know, the pre-digital era. I remember doing these collages. I mean, I was a, little, I mean, a grade school kid. And you would take, you know, you had this assignment in school and it could be, you know, some kind of art project. It could be about sports. It could be about clothes. It could be about, you know, uh, you know, um, you know the community itself. And, and I remember just sitting there with all these magazines, you know, my mother's magazines, whatever they were, you know, house, best housekeeping or, you know, popular mechanics. That wasn't my mother's. But anyway, the point is all these different magazines and, you know, maybe, you know, uh, style magazines and looking for just one picture, right? One, you know, one or two pictures and it have all these magazines, but I have to take, cut out one of these pictures and put it into a collage for, to then bring about, you know, to, to, to display my project. You know, that's what holiness is, right? It's, it's taking something, it's setting it apart for a special use, right? And this is the essence, my first point. And this, is what, this is what Peter is trying to say here. To be holy is, means to be wholly devoted to God. That's what it means. It's a relational concept. Be ye holy, for I am holy. I am the Lord your God who has called you out of an empty way of life into a specific purpose, to be a messenger but that holiness is all derived out of our relationship with him. If God's grace has come to you, we talked about this last week, if you have had experienced the forgiveness of sin, if the spirit of God that sanctifies us, we talked about it last week, is in your life, you've been taken out of one story and brought into another. It's as if, you know, God comes into your life, right? And he takes you out of one story, okay? And he puts you into another story, right? That's really what he's talking about. This is what the life of holiness is all is what he's talking about. You're taken out of one and moved to another. You've been removed from an empty way of life into a life of meaning and purpose. But let me say something. This purpose is not a better version of you, right? That's not what it is. You know, despite what, you know, uh, uh, the TV evangelist might say, right? It's not a better version of you. It's something new. It's a new birth. We talked about this last week. It is a new life. It is a life that is more like the life of Jesus. That's what a holy life is. And the challenge for us is to give every area of our life to God because in every area of your life, you need him, right? We are to give every area of our life to God, right? It's about surrender. Be holy as I am holy because in every area of your life you need him. But this is what I would say about many of us. 
we haven't awoken to that idea, right? We don't really believe that we need God in every area of our life. We have insulated ourselves. We have become convinced that really what it means to be a Christian is to become the very best you, right? To take who you are and to do, and, and Christianity becomes kind of this sort of, you know, self-help program to become the very best you, but that's not at all what the Bible says. You know, when I, I had the opportunity this summer, it starts with understanding who we are. I was in, I was in Honduras with one of our missionaries, and they, in the, in the, in, in this missionary does a lot of work in the prisons in Honduras with the gangs in Honduras. And a lot of those gangs, you know, a lot of this has happened over the last 10 or 15 years, and they've had this real crackdown, and they've put, you know, just hundreds, if not thousands, of young people, men and women, into these prisons, you know, in their 20s. And we went into this particular prison with our missionary, it was a, and it was a women's prison, and they were so open, they just let us come in because of this missionary's relationship. And we were in this cell block, three um, you know, bunk beds stacked high. There was probably 100 women in this room that was you know, the size of the lobby living in there. And they let us come in, and I just got up there and, and, and shared for five or ten minutes. And then I said, listen, there were about a dozen of us there. I said, listen, if there's anybody in this room that would like prayer right now, just come forward. We'd like to pray for you. And they, I, almost every, we were there for an hour and a half. Almost every woman came and prayed, but it was so amazing to be sitting there holding, you know, uh, the hands of these women, you know, who were t- in their early 20s. Most who were there because they were involved and they would, some of them shared in some of the worst crimes, you know, murder. But to look them in the eye and to hear about their hearts, to hear about their children, and to hear about what had taken place to them. And you know, it was, a, it was a stark reminder when you're looking it right in the face to say, listen, that could be me, right? You know, it, it, beca- it goes from abstract to very real. And I said, listen, if this woman, this young woman could have been moved to do this kind of thing, there but for the grace of God go I, right? Holiness is about giving every area of your life to God because in every area of your life you need Him. But you have to believe that. I have to believe that. You know, Jesus, um, a lot of people who are, 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 are um, um, resistant or, or skeptical of the faith, they say this about Jesus, you know, and about Christians too, that they're very evasive. You know, that Jesus would, would, would never answer a question directly. You know, he'd always answer a question with a question, and he does do that. But very often he does that, not to be evasive, but to really challenge our assumptions to ask larger questions. And one of the passages I was thinking about this week, you know, when Jesus gets, when, when, when the people come to him, even his disciples, and they ask about paying taxes, and they say, Jesus, you know, the, these, 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 the, the, the religious leaders around his disciples, and they were trying to pin him down to say, boy, if Jesus says that we shouldn't pay taxes, then we'll see that, he, you know, that, that he'll be arrested. And if he says that we should pay taxes, then we'll show that, you know, he's just, you know, he's just, a, 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 um, you know, he's, he's, not, he's not the real deal, you know. He's not, really, he's not really about what he says he's about. And so they asked Jesus this question, should we pay taxes or not? And Jesus, instead of saying yes or no, he says, 
someone give me a coin. And they pull out a coin. And he says, whose image is on that coin? And they say, well, it's Caesar's because this is the Roman Empire. And he says, okay, render to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. In other words, give to Caesar what is due. If taxes are due, in another manner of speaking, he's saying, yes, but give unto God what is God's, right? And what Jesus is saying in that moment is, listen, right? This image, your image, right? This is the image of God, right? They knew that. And what Jesus is saying is, listen, he, he completely reprioritizes. He answers that question and many others by asking a bigger question, saying, listen, everything, every area of your life belongs to God. Every area of your heart belongs to God. To be holy is to be holy devoted to God. Holiness is not about what God needs from us. It's about what we need from him. Said in another way, my second point, it's the life you've been given, not the life that's been handed down, right? That's what Paul is saying here. It's the life that's been given to you, not the life that's been handed down. Let me tell you, I don't have kids, but I um, am related to some kids, and I know a lot of kids, and I know a lot of parents. And, you know, I think the time that we are living in is, has to be one of the most difficult times ever um, to raise children. We're, and, and, but here's the issue. It's not that the culture that we live in, at least our culture, this is true in other places, is, is, is resistant to... Um, to, to, to us, right? I don't think, no, nobody's putting a, you know, a gun to our heads and saying, you can't live this way in our culture, does in other cultures. It's not so much that the culture is openly resistant, but here's what's true. The culture no longer naturally supports um, the values that used to be, you know, you could, there was a time, even in my lifetime, when I was a kid, when you could almost live as a Christian, even though you weren't one. You know what I'm saying? In other words, the culture supported many of the values that you and I would consider, whether those were family values, whether they had to do with honesty, whether those had to do with integrity. We lived in a culture even if you weren't a Christian, that if I didn't live a certain way in my personal relationships, if I didn't live a certain way in my marriage, if I didn't live a certain way in how I, how I you know, uh, executed my, my homework or, or whatever the case may be, there was a level of shame, right? And a level that, 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 was, that, that the culture supported. It's not the case anymore, right? We live in a culture that not only doesn't, let's say, support these values, in many ways it has championed opposite values, right? It's very difficult to be... Uh, 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 you know, the, the, the word redemption, it's used in this passage. For you know that it was not with perishable things that, such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from an empty way of life. The, the basic idea of redemption, it's, it's again, it's, it's like many of these big Bible words. It has many shades of meaning and it's taken out of culture and used and given new meaning. The word redemption essentially means exchange. That's what it means. Like you take your, your cans back to Wegmans or something. It's an exchange. 
But in, this, in, in most places in Scripture, it's talking about you know, sin and its consequences. Jesus died on the cross. He paid the penalty for our sin. And for his, the judgment on his sin, uh, he takes our sin and we are given his righteousness. It talks about the redemption, the forgiveness of sin. But in this passage... He uses redemption not so much to talk about sin and its consequences, but the redeeming of one kind of life for another. He's saying, you were handed down a life. All of us were handed down a life. For you were know that you were not, uh, it was not with the perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from an empty way of life. All of us came into this world. And we were, and whether that's our, whether that's the, the 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 culture around us that gives us our values, whether it's our own family systems which has its blessings and its cursings, all of us were given a way of life. But what God wants for us, right? God has given us, a, offers us a whole another kind of life. Verse twenty, He was chosen. Speaking of Jesus. Before the creation of the world, wow, but was revealed in these last times for you. What he's trying to say is, listen, he's trying to say what God offers you is rooted, right? Not just in your culture, not in yesterday, not even in your parents or your grandparents. It's rooted in the eternal plan of God. He was created. He was, God has, um, uh, he, he was, verse 20, he was chosen before the creation of the world and revealed in these last times for you. I mentioned this, uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago, this quote from John Stott. My true self is what I am by creation and calling, right? Which Christ came to redeem. My false self is what I am by the fall which Christ came to destroy. That's what this is, right? My false self is what I am by the fall which Christ came to destroy. See, God is redeeming us. It's not just the forgiveness of sin. He's offering us a whole new way of life, right? But that way of life, it's not a better version of who we are. It's a whole different kind of life. But I think if we're honest, as we live in a culture that makes it more and more difficult to express our faith. We no longer have the props. They don't pray in school. And, 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 and it's a very different kind of culture. If you're going to live for Jesus Christ, you're going to have to be intentional about it. I think more and more as our culture is less supportive, we have increasingly become more okay with the life that we've been handed down, right? That's what I think is true for many of us. I... I, was, I have this guy I talk to in my gym, you know, we're, we're all the time. I just talked to him yesterday, and he's, he's always calls me reverend. And, he, and he's, uh, he's a really good guy, and he's a, a Jewish background guy, but he's, he really he always has this issue. He's very political about evangelicals, you know. And so we got talking about this Florida shooting, and, you know, and all the things that are coming. He goes, you know, uh, he goes, reverend, I just, I have to tell you, it just, it just, it drives me crazy. Because now somehow, I haven't even read all the stories. You know, this kid, is it, apparently there was some, some anti-Semitism involved into this. And there are people now, according to him, you know, out there in the, in, in, in the, in the cable news world who are perhaps Christians, perhaps evangelicals, who are, who are um, you know, saying, listen, it's all about guns and, 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 and our pro-gun control. And he goes, I don't get it. And I said, listen, okay, here we are in our towels in the middle of the locker room, right? 
and I said, Howard, let me tell you something. I said, let me, I said, are you familiar with the parables of Jesus? He kind of looks at me like, no. And I said, you know, there was this parable of Jesus, and it was the parable of the, of the, of the wheat and the tares. Very simple parable. And Jesus says, you know, there's this, there's this farmer, and he, he wants to grow this great crop, and he has all this great wheat, and, and, and he has this beautiful crop. And at night while he's sleeping, some enemy comes in, and he sows in all these weeds. And when he sows in these weeds, they wake up the next morning, and they say, Master, look, someone has sown all these weeds. Should we go in and tear out all these weeds? And it's a parable, made-up story, and Jesus says, and the master says, no, don't tear out all those weeds, because if you tear out all those weeds... You're going to ruin all the wheat at the same time in the whole thing. He says, just leave it, let them grow until the end of time, and God will sort it all out, right? And I said, Howard, this is a picture of the church, right? I said, you know, uh, not everyone who says they're a Christian is a Christian, right? You've got to stop watching cable television. I said, yes, there's a lot of people out there who... Um, Say they're Christians, sign up for, you know, identify as Christians, but they're the weeds, Howard. But there's a lot of other people that you don't see who are um, trying to live out the teachings of Jesus who are um, doing very good things in our culture. And I even threw in, you know, because he's Jewish, you know, I said, not all Israel is Israel. And I went into this whole story about Elijah and how he thought he was the last Jew. But I got all done. He looked at me and he said, wow. He goes, I feel like I just had a sermon. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, come to church tomorrow and we'll do it with our clothes on, you know. <laughs> but I want you to ask yourself this question, right? Ask yourself this question. It's not the life you've been given it's the, or I'm sorry, it's the life you've been given. It's not the life that's been handed down to you. That's what Peter's saying. Redemption is not just about the forgiveness of sins. It's about a whole new way of life. It's about a whole new way of life. But you say, well, Rob, I don't know where I am. Just think about this question. It's a good question to think about for today. Are you a wheat or a tear in a manner of speaking? Okay. Are you more likely to read the Bible with a cultural lens or examine the changes in our culture in light of the Bible, right? I talk to people all the time as a pastor, people in this church. You name the issue. You know, uh, 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 marriage, gay marriage, uh, uh, sexual identity, gender, I mean, drugs. I mean, they go on and on. And these are, our, our culture is changing rapidly. What was once seen as perhaps wrong or even illegal is right and legal. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a moving target. And many people come and they say, listen, you know, the Bible, we have got to start to look at Scripture through a cultural lens. It's a challenge, right? But I was reading this week, uh, along with some of you, in the uh, last few weeks, the, the story of Joseph, you know. Great story. I mean, that story's thousands of years old. And here Joseph, he's in exile. Joseph is Jewish. You know, many, some of you don't know the story, but he was the, 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 you know, the great uh, uh, son of, uh, uh, of Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel, and he, and he saves his people. But he has to live in a foreign culture. It's the story of the people of God throughout all the Bible in many ways. And he lives his whole adult life in Egypt, and he's there. 
as far as he knows, he'll never see his family again. And he's living in Egypt, and he has to learn how to speak Egyptian, and he has a new name, and he has a new uh, look, and he's, he's, he's never going back as far as he knows. And he never does go back, okay, to the promised land. And nobody knows what Jewish is. There's no synagogues in Egypt. But one night, or uh, one, uh, one season, uh, the guy Joseph works for, his wife's got a thing for Joseph. And she keeps bugging him time and time and time and again. And she says, listen, Joseph, my master's not here. All is well. Sleep with me, right? Now, listen. There were no you know, rabbis in Egypt. There were no services in Egypt. Nobody went to church in Egypt, right? It was a whole different world. But you know what Joseph said? He said, listen, um, I can't do that because God doesn't want me to do that, right? In other words, what it means to be, he uses this term exile to say, listen, what does it mean to be an exile? It means, doesn't mean that you live in, that you are planted into a different culture. It means that the world that you live in doesn't feel native to how you live today. Right? And that's more and more in the world that we live. It feels more and more like it's, 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 a, it's a different culture. And, and, and there's two ways to deal with this feeling of being an exile. One is immigration, and the other one is exile. What, what does it mean to be an to immigration means this. In most cases, when we think about being immigrants, what you do is this. You, you want to assimilate, right? People that come into this country... If you know the stories, many, some of our parents or grandparents, man, you want to you stop speaking your foreign language, you want to learn English, you want to be able to assimilate into this culture. That's what immigrants do. But let me tell you what exiles do. Exiles aren't interested in assimilation. They still want to engage the culture, like Joseph did, like David, Nehemiah did, like Daniel did. They want to engage the culture, but they want to maintain their values. Because it's only when you engage the culture and maintain your values that you actually are a messenger to the culture around you. Okay? And I would say this to you. Even though there's increased pressure for all of us to adjust our thinking and to adjust our living, I would say this to you. This is my conviction and belief. That the people in this culture even though they'd never say it out loud, what they're hungering for is not for you and me to bend our way of life to the culture, but to actually live out our values because that's really what they're looking for. I mentioned this to you, oh, maybe it was a a year ago, but one of my best friends from high school passed away, Jewish man also, and I got to sit at his bedside, and it was a long, beautiful story, about 30 minutes and I think I've told you this story, some of you heard it, and had an opportunity to lead him to Christ. It was, it was one of the greatest moments of my life. But here's what he said to me. I don't know if I ever said, shared this to you. As we were talking, he seemed so ready. And he said, you know, Rob, he said, um, in so many words, thank you for, you know, living the life that you've lived. And he says, what we're doing, he says, I've, I've wanted to do this for a very long time. He, and he said, but I didn't want to be laughed at. That's what he told me. But thank you for sticking to it because this is really what I want for my life. Right? I think that's true for uh, many, many people around us. The primary way the gospel makes sense to the world is when you and I decide we're going to live a new story. 
okay? So lastly, I'm done. How do we do this, right? My last point. It's simple but hard, okay? And it's essentially about allowing the grace of God to change you more. Verse 8, 13. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace that is to be brought to you. Where do you get your motivation? That's what Paul, Peter's saying in verse 18. It's all about your daily motivation. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from this empty way of life handed down from your ancestors. Don't look for it there. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or without defect. My submission to God Every area of my life, listen, every area of my heart, I sub, I, 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 I'm encouraging you to submit every area of your life and every area of your heart to God because you need him in every area of your life and in every area of your heart. But my submission to him more and more, it's a lifelong process. Are there areas in my life that are not fully submitted? Yes, there are. Do I, do, do, I, do I go from, um, you know, from, 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 from hot to cold in, in the course of a week, yet in areas? Yes, I do. But my submission to God is born out of a maturing vision of how his whole life submission to me, right? Remember, for you were not purchased with silver and gold and these kinds of things, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish, without defect. We become better messengers by internalizing the message more in our lives every day. Amen? Let us pray. Father, I thank you so much for your amazing love and grace. And God, we just come to you this morning as we think about this great salvation that we have been given. And Lord, what it's really supposed to mean in our everyday life. Lord, we have been, we have been offered a whole new way of life. The life that we see Jesus lived that becomes ours in increasing measure as we surrender our lives to you. Lord, help us to have a vision for um, a greater vision for what it is that, that you have done for us in the sacrifice of Jesus. May it strike our hearts deeper May it fill our minds uh, more fully with your love that we might become uh, the, the people of God in a community that's so desperate um, for hope. And I just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me say one thing before I send you all out uh, this, this, this morning. You saw in the very end, if you, were, if you remember the video, uh, a couple, some of you know them, some of you don't, uh, Ben and Cher Finch, they were at the very end, they talked about being missionaries. 
and they are missionaries that we are, our, our church is sending out. They'll leave on around a month-ish in the month of March to Uganda, and they, they're probably floating around here uh, this morning. But tonight at 6 o'clock, 6.30, I'm sorry, thank you, Karen, there will be a, a, a time to celebrate them and commission them. You are all welcome if you'd like to come. Have a great Sunday.